Jim, Jim, Jim. Listen to this. For me, it's for me. Jim, 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 Ah, the story of this Michigan woman who woke up after a five-year coma. You see this? She was elated to see her husband and his new wife. Maybe not so much that part, but it's a happy story. He got remarried. Boeing has fired the head of the 737 program. They showed him the door. Yeah, because it blew off. That was his job. And you get the point. Scientists found a difference in men and women's brains. The difference is women's brains exist. Am I right, ladies? And finally, scientists determined that the maximum human lifespan is about 115. That's the way they're trying to sell this new ele- this next election in America. Two dudes, like 80. One guy who says stupid things, who's apparently not senile, and the other guy who's apparently senile but says stupid things. And everybody's like, you go with our guy who's not senile and says stupid things. I'm not sure that's a real argument. How old is 115? It's two and a half Martin Scorsese movies, basically. How old that long that is. It's News Talk tonight on the iHeartRadio Talk Network. Here's your host, Jim Richards. I am the host. I am Jim Richards. It's time for the excitement of me talking. Jim Richards has issues on the iHeartRadio Talk Network. I uh, am one of the best in broadcasting at this. Crumpling up the paper. The only thing I'm better at than crumpling up the paper is realizing that that paper that I crumpled up and threw over my shoulder, I still needed. Uh, But I am very, very good in the crumpling up of the newspaper game in radio. Earlier today, five five life sentences for Nathaniel Veltman for mowing down a family. This is June the 6th, 2021. Family out for a walk. Mows down an entire family just because he doesn't like the religion. The judge said that it amounted to terrorism. He should never see the light of day again. Here's the family's reaction. Hearing the sentence read aloud today, we both feel both a hollowness and a storm brewing within. We don't know if it's closure or justice. What we do do know is that the verdict will not bring back what was stolen. It will not mend the fractured pieces of our lives, our identity, and our security. For us, the journey of healing continues. The scars, physical and emotional, will remain. Hopefully this verdict will, and I think it did, but maybe the shelf life on the conversation about where that light should shine in Canada on that really dim area. And when I say dim, I mean stupid. 
the stupid, idiotic bigotry that had been peddled in this country and people being quiet about people saying the Muslim community this, the Muslim community that. Meanwhile, in Quebec City, six dudes, six men executed in a mosque. And in this country, this kind of garbage lived on to see this light of day on June the 6th, 2021. But I got to tell you, I don't think that there's been enough conversation about the people who would allow that kind of thinking in this country to prevail until this happened. And all of the people who would be quiet and allow that to exist within certain big tents and not call it out enough, they're quiet now. The terrorism charge? The terrorism designation acknowledges the hate that fueled this fire. The ugliness that took the lives of Talat, Salman, Madiha and Yumna. But this hate didn't exist in a vacuum. It thrived in the whispers, the prejudices, the normalized fear of the other. All of these played their part in the tragedy that unfolded. That hate hidden in plain sight was normalized by the unchallenged belief that a a racial hierarchy exists in Canada. I would, uh, I would echo that a million percent. And I don't think there has been the coming to, I'll say Jesus moment, for the people who allowed that stuff to happen. Here's Jeff Hirschberg on what the terrorism designation means. He's a criminal lawyer. Life uh, without the possibility of parole for 25 years. The terrorism finding will affect any parole hearing that happens later on. How do you know? It's 25 years from now. Uh, because it, it's, it's mandated. And unless a government somehow, uh, and there's no reason to think any party would ever do this, um, says that terrorism shouldn't factor into a parole hearing, uh, it certainly will. Uh, the, hey, how do you know it's 25 years from now, is Jerry Agar. Great work by Jerry, by the way. Further to that... It is a pretty strong indicator that he won't get parole probably at any uh, point. Um, You know, the finding of terrorism alone will impact how any individual in society would be, could they be comfortable with him being able to be released? You know, had he pled guilty in this case, as that shows a sign of remorse, he may have had a chance, even with a, a terrorism finding, maybe it still would be difficult. Uh, But here, I think um, the chance of him getting out ever is pretty slim. But I would go back to what was able to thrive within the shadows and the stuff that wasn't called out. Pure hate. We must confront the hate, not just condemn it. Confronting hate means recognizing our own biases. Confronting hate means dismantling the system that perpetuated. Confronting hate means actively challenging the narratives that fuel it. When you like, when you see it and you just roll your eyes and go, "Oh yeah, that guy," call it out. Or you're a coward. Don't be a part of it. Or you're a coward. 
A true victory lies in creating a Canada where everyone feels safe, respected and valued, regardless of who they are or what they believe. This is the Canada we strive for and the world our London family deserves. Here's the crown on this case. It is an acknowledgement that the offender's attack was not only targeted and directed towards the Afsal family, it was also targeted and directed towards the entire Muslim community. The offender murdered four generations of the Afsal family members and seriously injured the youngest because of his hateful, intolerant, ignorant and Islamophobic ideology. And I think people know where that was able to grow and who the people are who wouldn't call it out, who needed to call it out within their big tent. I don't know. I think we like we've just moved along. Later on on the show, by the way, we're going to be joined by the legendary, fantastic Phil Hendry. What he does is one of the few things in comedy that I can say is, is magic. Why doesn't the world know about you? I don't know how that even happens. He's juggling four chainsaws in his zebra and he has no script. So if people don't know the genius that is Phil Henry, he uh, a bit of a radio legend, a, be, a bit of a comic genius. He would do a talk show where he would also be the guest and he would have arguments with the like you would not know. He would have arguments with his guest, which was him. And then the callers would go nuts and they would want to call up and rip a strip off of the guest. All along, it was Phil Hendry. And he did that for three hours. It was syndicated, and we'll talk about his new documentary and about his career coming up in two hours here on the iHeart Talk Radio Network. But first, a break and back with the rundown in a moment here on News Talk Tonight on the iHeart Talk Radio Network. This is News Talk Tonight with Jim Richards on the iHeartRadio Talk Network. In a half an hour, we'll be joined by the brilliant Bruce Arthur. He's a sports columnist, and we'll talk a little bit about uh, how Soccer Canada is getting sued by many of the female soccer players and why that is happening. Then the half hour here on the iHeartTalk Radio Network. Thank you very much for your time. I'm Jim Richards, and it's time for a rundown where we take a look at some of the issues that this country is dealing with and how we're dealing with them. Bob Richardson is a contributor here to the iHeart Talk Radio Network and senior counsel at National Public Relations. Bob, thank you very much for your time. Greetings. And airport, uh, airport expert. That, that would be funny if it was just an airport expert. Yeah, no, no I know a lot about the terminals. Uh, I know about the concessions. Ask me about the best concession and uh, where to get the best coffee. Airline industry expert and contributor to the iHeart Talk radio network. And I'm sure he has been in the Air Canada Lounge. John Tory Jr. joins us right now. John. How are you? I think I've spent more. I think I've spent more time in the airports than I have in the air. So, which? Uh, yeah, I'm probably an expert in that. Which too. airline? Sorry, which airport in Canada would be the best one to have to hang out in if we don't have your elevated status to be in the Air Canada Lounge? I mean, they're all so interesting. Toronto's got a lot of selection of places to go. Montreal 
has a really great layout for walking around. Calgary has the little kids spacing upstairs and then that new WestJet lounge, which is quite something. Um, Vancouver and the international side has got a bunch of player. Like they've got a, like a whole like living wall or Edmonton has one of those. Yep. They've all got something. All right. Not an answer. Uh, they've <laughs> all got something, which is the best. They've all got something. Thank you very much for not answering the question. Let's get into some of the big <laughs> issues of the day. If we can, I wanted to start off the top guys, because I think to a certain extent, and I said this just moments ago that the uh, trial earlier, the, the verdict, not the verdict, the sentencing earlier today, that Nathaniel Veltman will hopefully never see the light of day. I thought the spokesperson for the family was brilliant when she said, We must confront the hate, not just condemn it. Confronting hate means recognizing our own biases. Confronting hate means dismantling the system that perpetuated. Confronting hate means actively challenging the narratives that fuel it. In order to do this, we must build bridges of solidarity with different communities. I do think that's so true because I do think the whispers in the dark for years, maybe since 9-11, that there is this suspicion about the Muslim community. Most attacks in this country had been thwarted by the great job that CSIS was doing, not so much when it came to lunatics on the fringes. So I, I do think that within political parties that some people are guilty of allowing this kind of garbage to go unchecked. And then this happens and certain people are like, yeah, our sympathies, eh, maybe not so much because maybe it's in your tent where some of this stuff was going uncalled out. Uh, John? I mean, definitely. And then and then you're, you're seeing the downstream effect now of, of, of the whole concept of everybody's voice has to be tolerated. And you're seeing it now where people then, they take that, to the, all the, the lunatics, as you call them, they take it to that level of, I can say whatever I want. And as long as I'm not directly saying, oh, we should go and hurt someone, that everything should be fine. And then people get, they're puzzled when they lose their jobs, when the police want to have a word with them, even if they're not charging them, they just want to come and sort of go, what are you guys all about? We definitely need to get back to an age where people are calling out hateful and angry and race baiting and dog whistles and all oh, that. Oh, you're BS. just woke, John. Ha, too woke. Uh, my socks don't even match. No, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that empathy is like, there, you know, there's a difference between being woke and I think getting in a time machine and checking somebody's social media from 15 years ago and having them lose their job to calling some out for, somebody out for being a bigot or letting it breathe within their midst, Bob. Yeah, I, I, I don't think uh, either of us are saying that. Uh, I think that's a bit extreme. Uh, first of all, I would say thank you to the, to the woman who spoke for the, uh, for the family and condolences again. Uh, she was obviously a good person uh, representing good people, and I'm glad she said what she did. I'm glad this clown is going to be in jail for the rest of his life. Uh, this is obviously a sick individual who should not be in society, and I'm glad he was dealt with appropriately by the judge and the justice mm. system. Uh, I, I'm going to disagree with one thing you said right off the top, that, you know, politicians have been... Pl politicians in this particular cra uh, case uh, have been quite good of all parties. They stood Meh. up, they, they after, went... Uh, they, after, uh, hold uh, on, after. And you know yeah. what? Maybe uh, People's Party dude is... Uh, maybe he's 
an extremist, it doesn't count. But I'm I'm saying a lot of people uh, okay, prior okay, to I, that I wouldn't call that garbage out. Okay, I, you know what? I I I will I, I will back off a little bit on that. I I I was interpreting it a little bit differently than what you just said. Uh, I think parties really need to be careful about what they say, and people need to be careful about uh, what they say, particularly in a period of time when we're going to ha- have high uh, immigration. I don't care which yeah. party's in power for the next ten years. We, we better be uh, we better be thoughtful about this, and we better be responsible. Okay, about so it. I was being sarcastic when I said that John was being too woke for calling out that kind of stuff, and like all of these people with the parade of well, you can't have free speech anymore, that sort of garbage. Because I do kind of believe that people who have, in many cases, rightfully turned against mainstream media, are now looking for authorities in other places and and news in other places that will allow this kind of garbage to be. Uh, almost mainstream within their uh, corner of Canada that's living under a rock, John. Yeah, or they, that's that's exactly what they're trying to do. They're trying to move the center. Or the people more on the consuming end than on the spouting or the creating and the spouting end, they don't even realize that their center's been moved because a lot of the how we consume digital media is, media is fed by algorithms and it feeds into our biases if, if this algorithm's able to determine them. And so they're just seeing more and more of the same crap and it takes people down a hateful tunnel. And I'm not speaking about any one particular group. It's anybody who gets caught up in spiraling rhetoric. They just get fed more of the yeah. same crap and they believe it. But Bob, my kind of thing is as somebody who considers himself a bit of a centrist is that when you want to call out the far, far right people who are on right of the spectrum, they take that personally. I mean, if I was right of the spectrum, I would be like, yeah, we should be angry at the far, far right. They're not us. They're, they're certainly not. I don't believe that. And I believe most people on the right do not have anything to do with this kind of garbage. But it seems like some of them... Uh, I, I, w- I would I just wish I wasn't arguing with people about it. Maybe it's uh, the, the people who come out from under the rocks to argue with me about this kind of stuff. When you say the far right, they take it personally. I would be like, hey, wait a second. That's not us. And don't lump us in that same category. Yeah, I just think we're in a different political era than we were. Uh, and I hate to say it, it post-Trump. Uh, a lot of people feel empowered to say whatever they want yeah. uh, and do whatever they want uh, that that you didn't hear from before. And quite frankly, you hear, you hear it on the right, and you you hear it from the extreme left too as well. They shouldn't they shouldn't be left out of the conversation. Hundred so percent, you do. Yeah, it it's it's a it's a it's a real problem. So I think it's it's time for centrist voices. I like to think of myself the same uh, to speak up more and to call out this crap both on the left and on the right. It's uh, almost like what, it's what they call the horseshoe theory, where sooner or later the extreme right and the extreme left, they meet. It's like, hey, uh, we hate the socialists like AOC, but at the same time, we're cool with the semi-commie socialist Russians. Uh, I'm not sure how that makes sense to uh, anybody. It is the rundown. John Tory Jr., who is an airline and not so much airport expert as we have learned, and also a contributor to News Talk Tonight, and Bob Richardson, who is a contributor here to the iHeart Talk Radio Network and senior counsel at National Public Relations. Get into some of the other stories of the day in a moment. This is the iHeart Talk Radio Network. 
Welcome back to News Talk Tonight with Jim Richards on the iHeartRadio Talk Network. It is the iHeart Talk Radio Network. Bruce Arthur in 15 minutes time. Bruce will be talking about the lawsuit against Soccer Canada by some of the female players, what it is all about. You'll hear it here on this very radio station. Then in about an hour and a half, radio and comic legend Phil Hendry will be on the show. And the story of how a New York Times financial advice columnist ended up getting scammed and giving somebody $50,000 in a shoebox and realizing, wait a second, I think I just got scammed as that person drove away in a car with a shoebox with $50,000 in it. That on the way as well. But we continue our conversation with Bob Richardson. He is a contributor here to the iHeart Talk Radio Network and senior counsel at National Public Relations. And also John Tory Jr., who is an airline industry expert, doesn't know much about airports, but airline industry export and uh, news talk contributor. Do you want to finally answer the question, John, which is the best airport in Canada to hang out in okay i'm saying calgary because then if the flight get canceled i can go skiing oh good all right i like that i have an answer i have an answer okay billy bishop airport great great private lounge great setup uh takes you 15 minutes from downtown there you go and you can fly to ottawa and fly to montreal and you're right in the city core when you land here in toronto okay Let's uh, continue. I don't know. Like some of the some of the times, I think that these what we talk about when it comes to politics, uh, the magnifying glass is maybe not where it should be. Maybe that's the case here because I knew Trudeau said a lot of things today, including uh, that uh, Pierre Polyev hasn't talked about housing. Not a huge Polyev fan, but he definitely has talked about housing. But Trudeau said today that instead of stepping up to stand up for protecting our kids through responsible, serious legislation, he's proposing that adults should instead give their ID and personal information to sketchy websites or create a digital ID for adults to be able to browse the web the way they want to. Trudeau said this after a press conference in Nova Scotia. That's something we stand against and also disagree with. That after yesterday, the uh, leader of the Conservative Party said that he was in favor of a Senate bill that would create a digital ID for uh, for uh, surfing porn, uh, or you would have to give your ID to get on these uh, websites. I don't know that that's uh, a place that anybody wants to fight an election for, or anybody's going to change their mind on what uh, how they feel about Justin Trudeau or how they're going to vote in a year and a half. Bob, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I say a pox on both of their houses on this one. Uh, uh, Polyev, you know, what happened to his no gatekeepers? Now all, all of a sudden he wants uh, to take our personal information for people who uh, are, are sur- surfing porn. And for Trudeau, his government seems to, have, uh, they can't stop finding new rules and regulations for, uh, for everyone to, to have to follow. So what we need on this issue is common sense, parental control, education, 
and let's make this uh, 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 the responsibility of families to deal with. The last thing we need is the Senate, which is it's a different Senate than than ever in Canada. I, I view it as a bit of a Karen festival telling us how <laughs> I uh, love that. Uh, uh, telling us how to live our lives. Buzz off. Uh, get we don't need you in this space. Go off and deal with other important issues. Freedom, freedom, freedom. Except if you're going online, and I gotta, I gotta say, I'm not a parent, John, but I'd be really concerned about young people and what they're finding online. And uh, until we find a different way to do it, I don't know what the answer is. I'm not even 100% against uh, having to give some sort of uh, ID to get on these websites. But privacy experts have expressed concern over the potential impacts of the use of facial recognition technology or requiring users to hand over personal information to third-party sites. That doesn't sound like a great idea either. But let's not pretend that something doesn't need to be or shouldn't be done to address the filth online. And I I know I sound like somebody's religious grandmother, but um, it is it's problematic what people could see. Do we just do that with engaging with education? I mean, with the youth of today, my biggest concern was that they'd go on the Internet and watch porn and be under the impression that the plumber will show up within an hour. But, um, (laughs) you know, (laughs) the pool boy, more importantly, you know what? In all seriousness, like we have all we have long lived in a world where there has been access to media that is troubling, whether it's sexual or violent or whatever. Even some, you know, some pamphlets on religion, some that were famously shut down in Toronto by uh, News Talk 1010 people not long ago. And, um, you know, it's, it, it, it does come down to parenting, which is why I found Polyev's angle on this somewhat interesting, because this is the guy who, like, three weeks ago said everything should be up to the parents yeah. and the government should be involved. And now he's a big fan of the government being involved and things not being up to parents. But I don't trust giving my idea to anyone, especially not when I want to surf those sketchy websites. Yeah, I, um, I, I don't know. All of the people who are for freedom are for not necessarily everybody else's freedom, but it sounds good on a bumper yeah. sticker, I guess. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the U.S. ambassador to NATO accusing Canada of uh, a lack of commitment to defense spending. I mean, yeah. No shoot, Sherlock. Uh, we're, we're guilty of that. But it looks like things, I mean, when I talked to a military analyst last week, he was like kind of happy with where things are pointed. But it's like $15 billion extra commitment over a decade or more of spending, Bob. Yeah, look, uh, we have not made our NATO commitment under the last six prime ministers. So this has been going on for 30 or 40 years, not even close. So what we've got to do is we've got to move towards the target as planned or we got to leave NATO uh, are the two basic options. Or maybe there's a hybrid option where we're sort of half in, half out or something like that. But, you know, we got to stop talking about this. We've got to stop pretending that we're uh, going to uh, meet our target when we're not. And we've got to start taking this seriously. So those are the options in, in black and white and get on with the decision making. Uh, John Jugmeet Singh versus Galen Weston. I, like people think that I'm in love with Galen Weston, or de- I'm defending Loblaws. My point is that I do think that Loblaws is an unfair punching bag because I think if if 
any of the grocery chains are guilty. They're all guilty. And what experts have said is that there doesn't appear to be any gouging going on, that this inflation is something that every country is dealing with. And yes, more competition could drive the pricing down. But I do have a problem with, you know, us picking one company to be the poster boy when we're allowing all of them to uh go scot-free, but the NDP's crusade is to bring down corporate greed, John. Let this be a lesson to any CEO of a growing company out there about why you don't put yourself on TV and make yourself the face of the company. I mean, that is that is in part, it is in part why this is coming back to him because he put himself on TV and I thought he was authentic and sincere, but he became the image of the company and he just, he, he's not somebody who can relate to other people. He just lives a completely different life. I'm not going to go on and attack him. And all I'll say about Mr. Singh is I actually went and read the legislation he's proposed or the amendments he's proposing to make. Not a single one will reduce the price of groceries anywhere. Yeah. And in fact, some of the things he's proposing will actually make it difficult for new players and new competitors to enter the space because they he puts limits on mergers and acquisitions, which is basically how new retailers come into the space. And so I think the whole thing is it has a semblance of not a witch hunt, but it's just it's just I don't know what it is, but it's just it's nonsense so that they can talk about Galen Weston and nobody else. They don't talk about the Sobies. Sure. And they don't talk about Jimmy Patterson. They just talk about Weston. I guess it's just to keep your name in the news cycle and hope yep. that people are going to give credit to him uh, for bringing down groceries. But the price of groceries are going to come down because inflation is coming down by the next election and somebody's going to try to take a victory lap saying, see, we did that. Bob, thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate it. Bob Richardson, News Talk Tonight contributor and senior counsel Thanks, at National Public Relations. And John Tory Jr. is an airline industry expert and contributor here to News Talk Tonight as well. So. Thanks. Why are, thanks guys, why are members of the Canadian women's soccer team suing Soccer Canada? Bruce Arthur, the fantastic sports columnist, joins us next here on the iHeartTalk Radio Network. This is News Talk Tonight. With Jim Richards on the iHeartRadio Talk Network. Man, I heard a couple of stories today that uh, were heartbreaking involving human trafficking. Today is Human Trafficking Day. We'll talk to some experts on that and hear from a victim coming up in about 20 minutes. It's the iHeart Talk Radio Network. Also, man, this story of a woman uh, who, I, I, well, take some phone calls a little bit later on. Find out if anybody has sympathy for a New York Times personal finance columnist. Personal finance columnist. Ended up being scammed out of $50,000, which she delivered to the scammers in a shoebox. It is really unbelievable. There were a million red flags. She ran through all of them. That's coming up on the iHeartTalk radio network as well. All right. There is a storm of brewing. I guess the storm has been brewing for a while. We thought we'd bring on one of this nation's best uh, sports columns. I'm laughing, Bruce, because I think I spend more time kissing your butt every time we have you on than actually <laughs> interviewing you. But uh, Bruce does some great stuff, including I don't know that there are many in Canada. I'm trying to think of the guy who you who um, who wrote the great the sports. Was he a sports columnist? New York City wrote about uh, John Lennon's death. Anyway, uh, there's Jim, not many columnists. Pardon me. It was Breslin. Jimmy Breslin. Was he a sports columnist? He's just page six guy, not right? So, 
Yeah, no, he was more of a city guy, like one of the great city guys who ever lived. Yeah, uh, Mitch, Mitch uh, in Montreal, in, in in Detroit. Anyway, there's not many people who will write about politics and write about sports. But here are the last two columns from Bruce. One is about Alexei uh, Navalny. I, I keep on blowing his name. Um, Navalny. Navalny. Okay. Alexei Navalny's yeah. death and where is Pierre Polyev's outrage at Putin? And today's column is, no, his last column is about the Maple Leaf star Austin Matthews in the season that he is having. So that's what you get from Bruce Arthur. There's always going to be a thoughtful discussion. Okay, Bruce, thank you very much for your time. It's, I'm always happy to be here, Jeff. What is the backstory here between the women's soccer team and Soccer Canada? I mean, you have to go back to 2018, in which Canada Soccer signs a deal with a private company called Canadian Soccer Business. You run the Canadian Premier League, which is an 18 pro team league in Canada. Um, and basically, they sign away the broadcasting and sponsorship rights for their national teams in exchange for an annual flat fee. The deal is disastrous. I have a copy of the contract. It's one of the worst things I've ever seen. It can run through 2037. It tops out at $3.5 million in the annual fee. Um, and uh, in at least one recent lawsuit, it was alleged that CSB, Canada Soccer Business, sold the broadcasting deal rights for $8.7 million a year on their own. Um, this is the result of this along with uh, obviously some mismanagement at Canada Soccer. But the, re the basic result of this is in a golden age of performance for the women's and men's team. Women won the gold medal in Tokyo at the Olympics. Men's team got back to the World Cup first time since 86. The program is starved of money. The organization is operating in severe deficit. They have made severe budget cuts. The junior teams, the youth teams, have been cut to ribbons in terms of their uh, their their budgets. The, the national teams are barely getting by and Canada soccer as a whole is in real trouble financially. And there's talk that it could actually run out of money within the next couple of years. Is there so any... what's happened. So go ahead. Sorry. What's happened is the women's team has arrived at what is probably the last and potentially nuclear, but maybe just inconsequential option. They are asking to be granted the uh, ability to stand for Canada soccer against former board of directors, the people who basically approved of the CSB deal that includes the current president of Canada Soccer, Charmaine Crooks, two former presidents, Steve Reed and Nick Bontis. And it is, if it actually happened, the people who approved of the deal would be, they're basically being accused of willful negligence and breaching their fiduciary duty. That's how bad this deal is seen as being within Canada Soccer. Is it because we have hindsight? Is there any argument that in 2015, nobody would foresee this golden age in terms of Canada soccer and how good we would be. Did we know in 2015 that we were going to be getting the World Cup? All of those things. Is there any way you could argue that in 2015 that was this was actually a good deal? Well, part of the reason that they set up the Canadian Premier League is because you need a domestic league in order to host the World Cup. So that was definitely foreseeable. Uh, the women's team was in better shape, definitely foreseeable. At the time, you can make an argument that Canada soccer wasn't making a lot of money. But there are people who were involved in the deal at the time that tell you that the number that they arrive at in the deal is based on what they had previously made from sponsorship and broadcasting. 
um, you could see that there was a better future there. But even then, even if you say this is a better deal financially, there's one part of this deal that should have stopped any responsible manager of a sport in their tracks. Yep. And that's that it could be extended until 2037 at CSB's option only. That is an incredibly long time. There are no increases even for inflation built into the deal. There are all kinds of options in the deal for CSB that don't exist for Canada soccer. This is putting Canada soccer in a fiscal box that no matter how well the national teams do, they can't make more money. And as the national teams do better, it costs more money to run them. It is an incredible set of handcuffs that were put on the national program, on Canada soccer itself. And as a result, Canada soccer right now is in, the in again, serious financial peril. Wow. Uh, that is crazy. And I, I'm wondering if a contract is a contract. Does the uh, do the members of the women's team have, like they clearly have an argument in that this was uh, will, uh, willful willful negligence. Is that what you call that? Yeah. No, I mean, the, but, the thing but is, they do, don't they have have a, the, do they have a court case? That's the real question. And it uh, depends which lawyer you talk to. I, I think this is still a little bit of a long shot myself um, because they are being asked to give standing for Canada soccer in order to hold its own leadership responsible. Um, that does happen. That is something that can happen, but it's it's not a sure thing. The thing with this contract is, yeah, Canada soccer has tried to renegotiate it. Yeah. They have had talks with CSB to renegotiate it. CSB is under no obligation to renegotiate it. It's not their fault that they signed an amazing deal sure. for them. Um, but in terms of Canada soccer, the, the bigger picture of the sport in this country that's really what's what we're talking about here. We're talking about the sport at its highest level in this country playing for Canada. The, again, uh, this is the best soccer talent we've ever had in Canada. Yep. Uh, uh, bar none, men and women. And, they're and the result is and the result is that the budgets are being cut, that staff is leaving, and that basically the organization again could wind up in bankruptcy within a couple of years, despite unprecedented on-field success. It's super sad and crazy, but I wonder if anybody would say, hey, we need to save you from yourself and you're not allowed to drive into that iceberg, but uh, court's going to look at a deal and say it's a deal. I mean, it's, it's really possible. And if that's the case, then basically this just keeps going as it's going. John Herdman left the men's team last year. Um, st other staff have left since then. They don't currently have a secretary, uh, a general secretary, who's the, kind of the person who handles operations for the organization. Th this is such a mess. Um, and it really is a case of there's not enough money in Canadian soccer right now to both fund a domestic men's league, as it stands, and the national teams and Canada soccer to the degree that you need. And so the money that w could be generated at the national level is being sent to a private league. So that's the deal. Bruce, thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate it. Jim, my pleasure, man. Bruce Arthur, great uh, sports columnist, putting that in an eye-level way that we can all understand it about the uh, problems that Canada soccer is having. Straight ahead, Nathaniel Veltman will never get out of jail again. We'll talk about it here on the Hard Talk Nate Radio Network.